0: Are you talking to the police in Sweden? How much do they know? Listen, this wacka thing is fake. They fooled us. These things happen. Everything she's told me is true, I'm sure. God to die. God to die. Hello and welcome to Quick Hits, a podcast brought to you by Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Ottawa, Canada. I'm your host, Phil Gursky, and as I've been doing for the past couple weeks... This is a review of an episode of the Netflix series Caliphate, a Swedish production about Islamic State and the possible terrorist attacks in Sweden. This is the last episode, as I promised you last week, episode number eight of season number one. Now I don't know if there is a second season planned, I haven't seen anything online to do that. We'll see why there has to be a second season as I get to the end of my podcast. I've been commenting on how real the Swedish security service is in terms of their actions and their techniques as well as how real the Islamic State is in terms of how they see the world and the things that they do and say. But here's a a very quick summary of what happens in episode number eight. I've talked a lot about this supposed terrorist plot in Sweden. Well, it turns out there's actually three simultaneous terrorist plots to be carried out by three different people. The first is a bombing on an aircraft by an unknown person. I haven't seen this person so far in any other episode who is being accommodated or facilitated by Miriam. She's the woman that works at the airport and is able to sort of smuggle plastic explosives through airport security. And a guy gets on a plane with a a backpack, looks like a Turkish Airlines because the overhead announcements are in Turkish, flight going to London. The second attack is the two idiot brothers, the converts, who are going to carry out shooting at a subway station in Stockholm. And the third attack is, of course, Ibe, this is our Egyptian friend, who is going to attack with a bomb. It ends up being a a truck bomb that has been targeting an ecumenical meeting, meeting of different religious groups. This is all going to happen on the same day. And of course, it's quite uh, dramatic. And as the brothers enter or about to enter the, the subway station shooting, they are shot dead by police. And as the guy tries to detonate the bomb on the plane going to London, he clicks on the detonator. Nothing happens. And he's arrested by police, which leaves Ibe. He, he thinks he detects surveillance. Also, he makes a run for it. He goes to a garage, parks the van inside, goes out to a woman in her apartment whom he kills. A real, real hero and ends up shaving. I talked about shaving last time, how Islamist extremists shave body hair because they think this is their, their one way to take it to heaven. Long story short, a small bomb does detonate and Ibbi gets away. One brother has died. The condition of the other is unclear. Thank you. Maristad 2, are you done? Next, we hear more about Nader. Nader, of course, is the man that Fatima thinks is a traitor to the security service. Well, it turns out Nader's a good guy, eh, kind of. He tells Fatima, who's been arrested, by the way, that she's been monitored by the police. And of course, she has been uh, a, a rogue officer for some time. Nader has her arrested. Nader tells Fatima that Sapo knew about the plot all along and kept Fatima in, in the dark because she was non-trustworthy. I'll get back to that in a second. When the plots fail. Of course, ISIS in uh, Raqqa is watching TV, wondering when the glory is going to start, and it, they find out that its uh, it, 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 it failed, that they were caught by Swedish police. And these ISIS wankers, they shake their heads in disappointment. Uh, they suspect the police found out, and they're convinced that somebody in Raqqa was the traitor. So Hussam's there, Hussam being Pervin's husband. He, of course, is nervous that they found out that Hussam's wife, Pervin, is the, is the traitor, but they figure that Ahmed... Is the traitor? Oppen is the guy that raped Pervin before she knifed him to death. They figure that since Oppen has disappeared, uh, no, he's in the well next door rotting away. As where Pervin, dumped him. They blame Oppen for the attack, so they're completely wrong. They have no idea what's going on. And then, in this bizarre scene, the ISIS guys say, "Let us pray to Allah that He will forgive us for failing in a terrorist attack." More on that later in a second, as well. With Daniel over the next few years at a cost of over two. Fatima is still running rogue. She essentially goes to get Pervin out. She ends up on, on the border dealing with what looked to be either Turkish military or perhaps the Syrian Democratic Forces, like the Kurds. She gets into Iraq. A long story short, she gets Pervin and Hussam out. Unfortunately, Leisha, this is Suley's younger sister, who wasn't supposed to be there in the first place, she has some come-to-Muhammad moment at the very end. And she tells Omar, who's come to collect Hussam for a suicide mission, that, in fact, they're trying to escape. Omar shoots Pervin in the back. And he, in turn, is shot by the man who's helping Fatima get these people out. Lisha ends up staying. She, she won't go back to Sweden with them. They all pile into the car. Pervin is, is, is shot. They get to the checkpoint where the ISIS guys look at their passports, let them through. And, unfortunately, uh, Pervin dies. Pervin dies from her gunshot wound this before Yes, but you know the people in there. It's, you know it's the not curds. that easy. These things are very complicated, Kala. I can't just order anything. You can try though, can't you? I need to back to him. Getting back to what's happening uh in Sweden, uh, Ibe, of course, is still at large, and he has now convinced karima to become a suicide bomber. karima of course, being the one that tried to commit suicide, and she, of course, was rescued along with Sole, Soleka, and they back in Sweden. Ibe is a real manipulator, and I'll get back to that in a second. So he gets Karima to don a suicide vest, which is locked, so she can't take it off. She's ordered to go to a concert being held uh, being held in, suite, in Stockholm, at uh, which a lot of young women, young girls will attend. And she's told to go to the stage, detonate her bomb, because Sule will detonate her bomb at the back as everyone runs to get out. And then Ibe will come dressed as a healthcare worker, as an emergency response, and he will detonate a third bomb. So it's sort of a triple suicide bomb. This, of course, is all horseshit because Sule is is not part of this. Sule has reconciled with her family. She realizes Ibe is a terrorist and Ibe has no intention of dying either. So the very last scene, this is the interesting part, is that Karima has uh, basically uh, taken off her sweater. She shows the other girls that she has a suicide mask. They all run screaming. She's in the bathroom talking to Sule on on her cell phone. And then you see a scene where Ibe is dialing the number to detonate the suicide bomb. Episode ends, end of first season. Mom. so very dramatic uh, well done on the drama part i think it was uh suspenseful for sure but as this podcast is trying to do what is it about these particular episodes that is realistic and what is a little bit of you know shall we say the producers taking license with what is probable or even possible the whole Nader thing has been making me wonder quite a bit. So, of course, of course Fatima thinks that Nader is a traitor. She thinks she's gone over to the other side. Nader tells her, No, I've actually turned Abu Jabril He's the radicalizer. He's the Imam that was causing all these young men to adopt this aberrant version of Islam. And Nader claims that he turned him into a source two years ago. And that Fatima was not told because, as he said, we can't trust you. You blew an earlier operation. This is what's called need to know principle in security services. And in in very sensitive or, uh, operations or very sensitive collection programs, the numbers of people who are allowed to be aware of it is kept to a minimum. You have to have a need to know it in order to know it. This is accurate. I was certainly involved in many need-to-know operations in my time, both at CSE and at CSIS. The reasons why you do this, of course, is so that, you know, the fewer people know about something, the fewer the chances that someone will spill the beans. You remember the old World War II saying, loose lips, sink ships. So this is a a verified intelligence service practice to try to ensure that operations are not compromised. Now, does it work out exactly how it did within SAPO? A little bit of liberty was taken by the producers, but nevertheless, you know, pretty good, I would say. Next, I want to talk about sort of religious immaturity. So if you remember Lisha, when she gets to Raqqa, she knows nothing about Islam. She doesn't know how to pray. She knows zero about the faith. And at the very end, she's the one who decides to stay. She warns Omar that Pervin and Hussam are trying to escape with Fatima. And she spouts all this religious language. You're going to hell. I want to stay. I am home. I I have no family back in Sweden. I I found this a little bit stretched. I do recognize that Lisha has gone through a lot of trauma in, uh, you know, Sule, her sister Sule, did not join her. They were rescued at the last minute. Karim is not there. Alicia is all by herself. She barely survived a forced marriage to this 65-year-old uh, old fart, uh, a lech, you know, a sexual pervert. So it's not completely out of the ordinary that she's had this amazingly rapid religious experience, which leads her to not want to go back to Sweden. I found it, uh, like I said, a little bit, I don't know, hard to, hard to believe but I, I'm not a psychological expert, I'm not a psychologist. So maybe that kind of trauma would lead to that kind of behavior. I'll leave it to others to comment on that. Back to Ibbe. Ibbe is the is the ultimate manipulator. I mean, this guy's a complete asshole. He claims he's going to carry out these attacks when in fact he has no intention of doing any of this kind of thing. He's a guy that would park the van and walk away. He's not wearing a suicide vest to go join Karima. And as he lied so late at this girl's concert, he's a guy down in the number. This guy's got the, you know, he's got the courage of a, I don't know, a toad. This man is not who, he's, who he says he is. He's just a manipulative jerk who is trying to get other people dead. And I think this is very, very common. And this is similar to what happened back in Raqqa when Omar tells Hussam it's his turn to become a suicide bomber. These guys are watching TV, what's happening in Sweden. They're they're thousands of kilometers away. They have no intention of dying themselves, but they have no problem sending other people to die. They call themselves heroes. They call themselves the true believers. They call themselves the mujahideen, the holy warriors. These guys are just cowards at heart who have no problem watching other people die and, and in fact effecting those deaths, but have no intention of doing it otherwise. So I think that that's quite accurate as well. I don't want to die. We need to get out of here. How? How? Huh? The other thing that's interesting is that Fatima at the very beginning tells Pervin that I'm not going to get you out of Raqqa until you tell me more about the plots. And it's Pervin that finds out through Hussam about the three plots. So the subway shooting, the bomb at the ecumenical event, and the bomb on the airplane. Uh, Fatima tells Pervin, I don't give a shit about you anymore. I'm not going to help you get out. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to deal with you until you found out more information. I did find this quite harsh. I'm not sure that that is normal behavior when you're handling a human source, but I must be very careful here because I was never a source handler when I worked for CSIS. I did take part, as I mentioned before, in source debriefings and I helped to train human sources, but I was never an actual source handler so, do people act that way at certain times? Is there a benefit to becoming very harsh with a source? I don't know. I found it immoral. I found it unfortunate and largely unnecessary. So, I'm going to reserve judgment on that. And if somebody who's ever you know, worked as a human source handler for a security service or law enforcement, I'd be curious what they thought on that. So that was episode eight. Overall, I did like the series. I found it flowed very well. There were in multiple, obviously, as any good series. multiple scenes, multiple actors, multiple actions, multiple plots. I thought the producers did a very good job of showing how a security service works with some liberties here and there. I found they portrayed Islamic State very accurately. These guys who claim themselves to be holy warriors and are just a bunch of jerks. They're a bunch of wankers. They're a bunch of cowards at the end of the day. So I would give my, my review of the Caliphate series would be I would give it four and a half out of five. I thought it was well done. I'm looking forward to a, a season two. It seems to me that the producers did their homework. They must have had some kind of advisor who either worked for the security service, who has a heck of a lot of knowledge about the security service. They must have talked to somebody with some kind of terrorism background to understand what ISIS was doing. So kudos to the Swedish producers. Kudos to the actors. I found that the acting was very good for the most part. And as I said, I'm looking very forward to a, a season two at some point. So this draws to an end, my review of the Netflix series Caliphant. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm curious as well, if you've watched this series, what you think of it. Please send me your feedback. You can reach me on email, frisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at Borealis Saves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content, I invite you to go to my website, www.orealisthreatpress.com. Hit the subscribe button, fill in your information, and you'll get a daily digest of podcasts such as this, longer and intelligent look at terrorism podcasts, my Today in Terrorism series, other perspectives, other media that I do, as well as other podcasts on which I've been invited, which seems to be happening more and more these days. So I'd love to hear your feedback. love to hear your ideas for further material. Please get in touch with me. I'll talk to you again very, very soon, I hope.